This reading is from Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 12. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you, and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with power, all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, this morning as we're looking at Colossians, I'd love you to open up your Bible uh, into Colossians. Uh, we are on page 956 of the Red Pew Bible. So if you want to open up your Red Pew Bible to Colossians chapter 1, uh, and we're going to be looking at verse 9 onwards. Uh, page 956. I wonder, what does it look like to live a worthy life? What, what does a worthy life look like? Uh, how do you measure that? Uh, when, when you see it, how, how do you recognize it? What, what does a worthy life look like? As we consider our own lives, uh, can we consider that question? What does it look like for me to live a worthy life? What does it look like? Uh, what, what would I need to do? Who would I need to be? What would I need to achieve? Uh, what would my accomplishments look like at the end of my life? As someone told me the story or told everyone else the story of my life, what, what would they say? What does a, a worthy life look like? Uh, does, it, does a worthy life uh, look like doing all the things that other people expect you to do? Uh, does it look like doing all the things that our society expects us to do? What does what a worthy life look like? Uh, how, how do you measure that? In, in your eulogy, what would you want to hear uh, other people recognize about you? Uh, for, for Paul in Colossians, so we're on page 956 and we're uh, towards the bottom of the page, uh, verse 9 through to verse 12. Uh, for Paul in Colossians, to, to live a life that was worthy is to live a life uh, fully pleasing to the Lord, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. We have in Colossians some really simple instructions for how to live a Christian life in this world. Uh, Colossae was a, a town that was pluralistic. There was lots of religions, lots of people uh, living for different purposes. And so Paul's letter to the Colossians who in their early uh, years had seen lots of success in spreading the good news about Jesus was one of how do you live the, the Christian life in, in a world that doesn't necessarily follow Jesus? How do you live a worthy life in a world that doesn't necessarily 
follow Jesus. Uh, in, in this Colossians series, we're, we're really considering Scripture, and so I'm going to put less slides up on the screen. This morning there's going to be no slides, just a, a, a screen marker for us. Uh, so I'm wanting you to open the Bible because I want the, the words of Scripture to speak to us. Uh, as God speaks to us, it gives us fresh encouragement to live for Him. Uh, we, we see in verse 9 uh, this first uh, prayer of Paul. For this reason, since the day we heard of it. So heard of what? Uh, all that God has been doing through the gospel and how it's been bearing fruit, verse 6, and, and growing uh, in the whole world, it's been bearing fruit amongst you from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. So that is, Paul has seen, and were heard about, not seen, heard about the, the, the gospel flourishing in Colossae, and now uh, he said, well, since I heard about it, I haven't stopped praying for you. Why is that? To, to continue in the work of God uh, requires the, the groundwork of prayer. In, in order for us to see God's fruitfulness continue, it requires the groundwork of prayer. If, if we want to see God do anything among us, it requires this groundwork of prayer, not just praying on Sunday, but joining in uh, in the same way that Paul has, since the day we've heard you, we have not ceased praying for you and asking, asking what? Well, what should we be asking for as we pray? That you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The question of how do I live a worthy life needs to be answered in a knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. There's lots of things that we can do in life. Uh, when you grow up, you have parents that expect certain things of you and you, you get taught at some level to either live up to expectations or despise expectations. And so, so a lot of the time in life, we can live up for other people's expectations, bosses, uh, friends, uh, other people. Uh, so we can look to live for other people's expectations and say, that, well, that's a worthy life. Well, here scriptures saying, no, actually, a worthy life looks to God's expectations. We can live to please other people. You know, you know what? It feels good when other people are really thankful for us. And so we can find in life uh, that we can become a bit of a people pleaser because when people are pleased with us, uh, they affirm us and we feel good about ourselves and we feel like we're living a worthy life. But here Paul's saying, no, no, find out what pleases, what pleases God. Well, more and more today, we, we find that a lot of people actually live to please themselves. <laughs> and, and so a lot of people will go about life thinking about what will bring me pleasure and do it. And live a really selfish life. Uh, a life that doesn't think much about others and that tramples on other people. We, we live in a culture that is very much at its foundation formed by some of the Christian thinking around thinking about those around you and loving those around you. But it's a culture that's increasingly been shaped towards thinking about yourself. Think about what's best for you. Do what's best for you. That's the marketing that we're here and the mar how they're trying to advertise to us we should live and purchase. Think about what is best for you. But here Paul is saying, no, actually find out, discover what is 
God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Fully pleasing to him. So that is for us in the busyness of life. There's, there's lots of things that we can do. And every, every week, there's, there's always options. Uh, I have a side project list that's far too long. I'm never going to get all of the things done. Uh, there's lots of friendships and relationships that we all have. And I'm not going to please every person. And you're probably not going to please every person that you know. Uh, your, your work... Uh, if it's anything uh, like uh, working for a politician, you're probably not going to please or be able to achieve in a standard 80-hour uh, week, was it? I, I was reading in the newspaper <laughs> this week uh, what they would like you to do, uh, let alone fit within workplace law. <laughs> how, how do we discover what it is uh, that is pleasing to the Lord? The first place we discover it is, is in Scripture. As we read Scripture, we, we discover what it looks like to live a life that is pleasing to God. And a lot of Scripture teaches us how we can relate well to God and how we can relate well to each other, doesn't it? It, it teaches us that. But it doesn't tell us that, that necessarily the everyday, Randall, today, this is what you're to do. So, so how do we discover the, the today this is what I am to do, this is what I'm called to do, and this is what will be pleasing to God? It's that we learn to walk close to God in prayer. Uh, I, when, when I think of uh, living a life pleasing to God, I'm reminded of Eric Liddell in Chariots of Fire. Uh, and he, he talks, uh, there's a quote from him, whether it's from him or, or not, is a, another question. But he says, uh, God made me fast, and when I run, I can feel his pleasure. At some level, he knew he was doing what was pleasing to God as he ran and competed at an Olympic level, ran fast. He, he knew he was bringing pleasure to God, but he knew in his heart of hearts that his purpose was bigger than that. Uh, he'd live distinctively and bear witness uh, through his keeping of a, a day of Sabbath rest and not running uh, when everyone else would run and compete. Uh, but his greater purpose, uh, he found, uh, was in serving the mission of God. He was born in China. He, he died in a concentration camp in China. And his greatest witness was to the gospel as he was a herald of the gospel, and that's where he found his purpose. So as much as he said in running, I knew the Lord's pleasure, he knew that there was greater pleasures to be found. Uh, when, we, when we sing together, as we give our worship to God in song, at some level you are doing what is pleasing to God. In, in that moment... As you sing and offer up your praise, you, you are doing what is pleasing to God. And at some level, when you sing, you should feel the Lord's pleasure. That is, you are joining in the joy of the kingdom of God. And so that is, is part of our purpose, to offer up praise to God. But we also offer up praise to God through the work that he calls us to do in the world, whether it's in a secular space uh, whether it's in a Christian space, uh, whether it's in a community space, whether it's in a family space. Am I living in a, a life worthy to God, pleasing in every way, bearing fruit in every good work? 
Well, what's the kind of fruit that God bears through us? Uh, in us, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, love, self-control. So is that happening in me? Is love and joy being produced in others? Well, that, that's probably a measure of whether we are living a worthy life. You, you can do the right thing and uh, not feel right. Or you can do the right thing for other people and they may not feel good about it. Well, one of the ways we, we measure worth is whether the fruit of God is produced. Uh, one of the greatest fruits we, we read about in the, towards the end of this passage. So uh, as we're giving thanks to the Father who has enabled us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, he's rescued us from the, the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have the redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So one of the greatest works that we can do that is pleasing towards God is found in these last verses, uh, seeing that the people are rescued from the power of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. So to live a worthy life is to see a priority for that, that the people's lives would actually be changed from darkness to, to lightness, that our lives would be changed from dark to light, that we would see God's redemptive work uh, in us and through us and in the world around us. Uh, see, God knows that the, the thing that will please us most is not in this life, but is in eternity. That is, there is an inheritance stored up for you in him that is better than you can do or earn or build in life. What, what does it look like for us to live a life worthy now is to live a life in, in that context, that there is an inheritance to come that's far greater than the inheritance that I can earn now. Uh, I, I had a great conversation uh, with someone in aged care uh, this last week, and he, he talked about, we were talking about sin. He said, what, what is sin? And, and he said, you know, I don't do the, the Ten Commandments. I, I don't do any of those things. Uh, what, what is sin? I said to him, well, you know, sin is falling short of the mark. That is when we fall short of the, the mark that God sets us. What is that mark? It's to live a life worthy of him. So what is sin when we fall short of living a life worthy of him? That when we confessed earlier, we, we said, forgive me, Lord, for the things that I have left undone that I should have done. The fruit that I should have borne that I haven't born and he said oh okay like tell me tell me more and we were talking a little bit more and we talked about how with the the life of faith we use all that we have to serve and to honor God the life of faith we use all that we have and somehow the subject got onto money and he said well you know what I earned that that's not God's. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to do anything with that. And uh, the conversation, to the, his, his wife was ushering him out the door because <laughs> she realized who he was talking to. <laughs> and he was getting put in a little bit of a corner where he realized that, that actually we're called with all parts of life to live in a life in a way that is worthy. W what does that mean? Uh, we use the wealth that we have to bear fruit for, for God. And... Let me tell you one way it doesn't look. It doesn't look like taking all your money and just giving it to the church. See, God has given you wealth in order to invest it in this world. 
in order to produce a return of investment for his kingdom. Uh, the privilege that we have as uh, people in this world is to tell our money where to go. <laughs> uh, one, one of the good investments that, that we put it into is the work of his kingdom through the church. But there's many other good ways in which we invest the wealth that he gives us in order to pr produce a return in this world. And so wealth is a really useful way for us to think about what it looks like to live a worthy life. How am I producing a return invest on investment for my God with what he has given me in my hands? Uh, he's given you gifts uh, that you can't put a monetary value on. Uh, the, the way that you love other people, the way you care for people, uh, the way that you're a friend, the way that you work in your workplace and are a witness to that, uh, the way that you're a friend to, to people at school. Uh, God has given you gifts to be able to do that. How are you producing a return on investment for him? Would he look at the end of your life and go, well done, good and faithful servant? Uh, often I, I hear people say, uh, oh, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And I just want to call that out uh, as a lie. Uh, God regularly gives us more than we can handle <laughs> because he wants us to see what? He wants us to see his power at work through us. Verse 11, may you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance. That is, God is going to call you and I to do things that we can't do in our own strength so that we may experience his glorious power working through us to do far more with him than we could do by ourselves. Isn't that amazing? God wants you and I to do far more with him than we could do ourselves. So that means he's going to give us things that we can't handle. And that means in those moments he's going to teach us uh, to endure with patience, uh, joyfully waiting, because when he calls us to things, it's not, uh, Randall, I want you to do this right now. Sometimes it's, Randall, this is where we are going. <laughs> and... We need to walk with him patiently as he works things out. And often the, the working out is working stuff out in us so that we are uh, prepared. Uh, he's done the business inside of our hearts so that we can do well what he has called us to, preparing us. And often things happen in his timing rather, rather than our timing. You know, life would work really well. If I got up in the morning, I said, hey, God, what's, what's the plan for today? He gave me a five-step plan at the end of the day. I said, oh, thanks, God. I'm so glad that we did those five things together because then I'd never have to go to sleep wondering about that thing that's been sitting there for a while that we need to complete together. But that's it's not the way life works, is it? He gives us big projects uh, that we pray about, that we agonize over, that we find joy in the middle, and then we see fruit in the end. And it requires a walk of steadfast faithfulness and enduring patience as we walk with him. And in the middle of that, when you discover him working with you, you together accomplishing things, us together accomplishing things that we couldn't do without him, it produces great joy in us. 
And so we find joy in the journey as we see his power working in and through us. And so this is why Paul prays this prayer. He wants us to to live in a world of competing priorities faithfully for God. He wants us to live in a world of competing priorities in a way that is worthy for God. And he wants us to be empowered by God to do that. Now, not all of us are going to wake up in the middle of the night and have a dream uh, that we must accomplish this thing. Uh, But as we walk prayerfully and faithfully together, we will discover some of the things that God puts us in our hand. And as we discover what he puts in our hand, we'll also discover that the enemy doesn't want us to achieve what God wants us to achieve. And so we'll discover opposition that wants to shut down and close us down. And the opposition comes in the way of, you're not good enough. It's true. You probably can't achieve it by yourself. Uh, that's not what God called you to do. That's, and, and so the enemy will come and try and shut us down. And so that's why Paul is praying without ceasing for these people that they would be able to do all that he has called them to. That they would have all the wisdom they need, all the power they need all the patience they need, all the joy that they need in order to serve God faithfully and live a worthy life. So my encouragement to you this morning is to just think on it. Come before God and say, God, what does it look like for me to live a worthy life? And he may just start with highlighting to you some people that you can love well. What does it look like for me to live a worthy life. What does it look like? God, what, what does it look like to you? And I, and I have confidence as you lay yourself before him in humility, he will lead you into a place of discernment and clarity as to how you can take what he has invested in you and produce a great return for him, him as your king in his kingdom. I said, Lord God, as we come before you, the one who calls us and loves us, uh, the one who has prepared a great inheritance for us, uh, teach us to follow your ways. Uh, Open us uh, to discern those ways. Sustain us as we seek those ways. Strengthen us and comfort us. Uh, Use us together to do what we could not do alone. Use us together uh, with you to have a vision that is bigger than ourselves. Help us to seek after inheritance that is eternal. To share your priorities. And to serve your kingdom. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.